Welcome back to another Cardinals Off Day podcast, special edition. Uh, ben and I are here. We actually just finished uh, a long conversation with uh, Daniel Shopta over on the Meet Me at Musial podcast. So I encourage all of you to um, check that out if you're not already following and listening to that podcast. It's very good. You should anyway. Um, but we wanted to um, chat here real quick as well, drop something in the off day feed because we promised we would do so if there were any uh big kind of breaking things that happened. And this is about as big and breaking as they can be. So, so Ben, just to frame things for us, um, I thought, and actually this was something that Daniel posted on Twitter today, uh, side by side, the, the press releases from the Mike Matheny firing and the Mike Schilt firing are pretty telling. So from the, the press release from the Mike Matheny firing, there is the following quote from Bill DeWitt Jr., Mike Matheny has served the St. Louis Cardinals organization with tremendous dedication and pride, and I am thankful for his service to the Cardinals over the past six and a half seasons. On behalf of the entire Cardinals organization, I would like to wish Mike the very best. Now, from the Mike Schilt uh, press release, this is all it said. We can confirm Mike Schilt was employed by the St. Louis Cardinals from 2018 to 2021. Um, Ben, what was your takeaway from this? Um, I was struck by how John Mosellock and Bill DeWitt were their, their fundamental organizing principle of everything about their communication strategy was not telling us why they fired Mike Schilt. Um, it was, they went to great pains to keep it vague. And that just really struck me because normally, uh, you know, you can kind of read between the lines or there is a buildup to the termination in particular of a, of a major league manager where, well, we all kind of know why the manager was fired. Mike Matheny, a prime example, he's an idiot who doesn't learn from his mistakes, has no self-awareness, um, and, uh, really cares about Mike more than anyone else. And so, uh, you know, he's apparently changed and got hired by the Royals and all that. But, you know, he he ostracized the clubhouse. He had Yadier Molina posting passive-aggressive Instagrams about him. Right. Um, and he wasn't – the team was not performing on the field. The team was playing terrible baseball. Mike Shannon went on a rant. Yeah. <laughs> About well, how it looked like a, a second division team. <laughs> I mean, we, we almost, at the point they fired Mike Matheny, we almost didn't need a why. We all knew the why. <laughs> yes, yes. It was, it was example after example after example. You know, he couldn't handle in-game tactical decisions. He couldn't manage the personnel effectively. He could not coach the personnel effectively uh, so that they weren't making little league type mistakes on the field. It was just a, it was a situation where, you know, the time had come for Mike Matheny to no longer be the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. And, you know, we, we, you and I in discussions, I was kind of torn on what to use for my hashtag for Mike Schilt. And we landed on, you know, hashtag bullshilt. And then we parlayed that into a, segment here on the podcast. And I thought we were going to get some real use out of that. 
in the years. I know all that all that legwork we put into making bullshit happen, and it's just out the window now. Yeah, and we had intended it just to kind of look at managerial decisions. And the weird thing is, you know, obviously, I don't think Mike um, Mike Schilt should have batted Tommy Edmond leadoff against right-handed pitchers, for example. Like that is, to me, kind of a, a classic bullshit move. But even that, to me, is less important than his ability to manage players. And I thought he did a very skillful job of that. You know, he kept Andrew Miller happy while reducing his prominence in the bullpen. He kept Matt Carpenter, you know, on board while reducing his playing time to virtually nothing. He kept Dexter Fowler on board until the team decided to pay Fowler to play for the Angels until he got hurt and then just pay him to be on the injured list. And he seemed to have a very keen skill at communicating with the players and getting the players to accept what he was saying, even if it was not in their career's best interest. And and that is something that you, you don't see a lot of in Major League Baseball, to be honest. Um, and there's oftentimes friction in those situations. And I thought Schilt was very good at managing those situations and keeping the clubhouse rowing in the same direction uh, through good times and bad. Because it would be really easy for Andrew Miller and Matt Carpenter to raise a stink when the team is playing sub-500 baseball and they aren't playing. And... You know, it's harder to voice that type of objection when the team's winning. But like this year, they they were not a very good team for much of the season. And Schilt was able to keep everyone on the same page with the goal in mind, you know, until the win streak hit. And, you know, that seemed like a very cohesive Cardinals unit throughout this entire season. There didn't seem like all that much friction which given how frustrating yeah. it is, I think is really a testament to, to his skill at managing people. Yeah. I mean, I think all indications are that you're right on about that. Um, you know, but I, I think anytime we're looking beyond players and, you know, players they're you know, they execute their job on the field where we can see it. So we're, we're you know, it's, it's easy for us to kind of evaluate players, but as soon as we get into coaching staffs and front offices and things like that. I feel like we're really in kind of like a, you know, tip of the iceberg type situation. And like, we can only see a little bit of what they do and then we can kind of intuit the rest. Um, so uh, I think it's a, it's a real mystery right now. What is it, you know, what, wh where did these philosophical differences come from? And I think you make a good point that um, even those things, because really what you were talking about were more of the kind of, you know, under the surface type things, you know, those kind of managing the personalities and stuff. And it seems like those things were, um, you know, were generally pretty, pretty smooth. Do you have any idea? I mean, what do you, what, and that was the, the phrase that kept being used was philosophical differences. Obviously we have no idea um, and, and hope maybe something will come out that gives us more of an idea. But if you had to speculate, what do you feel like was maybe the, the root of this? Well, there are a few ways uh, that we can look at this. And of course, you know, philosophical differences, the direction of the major league team in 20, 
22 are kind of the, the way that Mosellock and DeWitt framed it. And, uh, you know, one of the interesting things to me was that uh, DeWitt in the press conference uh, just said point blank that he had not considered opening DeWallet uh, for Schilt after uh, 2022. Basically, well, no, I hadn't even considered giving him an extension. <laughs> and, and, and not only that, we're firing him today. Um, and so it was interesting that because I felt from the media, we kind of got this, this suggestion that maybe they were going to give Mike Schilt a contract extension uh, so that he wasn't a, almost a lame duck with one year remaining. And uh, not only did we not get that, we got the termination and we only got kind of vague allusions as to what that might be. And uh, we talked about this uh, on Meet Me at Mutual, and I won't belabor the point, but, you know, some of the things that Mosellock said give us an indication of, of what might have been the issue. And so Mosellock fielded a question about whether uh, Albert and, you know, the, the hitting coach approach uh, was uh, part of the reason for the separation. And Mosellock said it was not the sole reason and then also added that he expected Albert back. So to me, Ben, that was a pretty clear suggestion that perhaps Mike Schilt decided that there needed to be a change in structure or even in personnel with respect to the hitting coach and the way that they were coaching hitting at the major league level. And John Mosellock uh, did not agree with that position. What do you think? Well, at the very least, I think it was the 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 only specific indication we got <clears throat> of something that was part of this stew of philosophical differences. Because, as you noted, he said um, that he, he at least acknowledged that um, disputes with Albert were not the sole reason. So he he allowed that that was part of it and. Um, and that's not something that I was aware of, I guess, that, that Schilt and Albert were kind of actively, um, you know, in, in opposition to each other. So, um, so I guess we can kind of, you know, chalk that up as that, you know, you know, that was part of it. Um, you know, was that the whole thing? I don't know. You know, one thing that you and I kind of talked about before we started recording too, that was interesting about this is, it sounds like this happened really fast, you know, and there was references to, um, I think it, they said like last Friday, they was the, the, basically the, the first and maybe only meeting they had like after the season. And then this pretty much came down the pike after that. So I'll be honest, this sounds to me like they had like a, like a sort of end of year review type meeting. Yes. And I, I think some shit went down in that meeting. And so it, may, it sounds like it maybe it had a little to do with Jeff Albert. Maybe it had to do with some some other things, too. But um, uh, it, it sounds like whatever was said and however it was said in that meeting, um, uh, differences were not going to be reconciled after that. That's that was how I interpreted that. Yeah, I, and me, too. And when Mosellock, uh gave the the statement that 
you know, I'm here to protect employees. I'm here to protect him. If he wants to discuss it with you, that's his choice. And so Mosaloc there, number one, he differentiates between protecting Schilt and protecting employees. So that would suggest that Schilt had a disagreement about at least one other employee, perhaps multiple other employees. Uh, and I also take the use of the word employee to mean that it probably was not uh, major league player uh, decisions, but probably because if you talk about a ball player, you're going to say player. You're not going to say employee. You know, baseball right. guys don't talk about players like they're employees, even though they are employees, right? Right. Um, there, that type of terminology usually applies to, uh, you know, the manager, coaching staff, front office types, um, you know, that those types of employees of the organization get called employees as opposed to players. Mm -hmm. So it, it seems like, you know, and, and it's also difficult for us to know what Mike Schilt's role in kind of this is, is Mike Schilt, you know, sitting on the side of the table with John Mosaloc when they're doing end of year stuff with Jeff Albert, or <laughs> is he right. in the room, you know, right. or do they meet, does the front office do the higher ups? Do, is it like John Mosaloc and Michael Gersh meeting with each person individually? And, you know, these are all interesting questions because they would help shed light on how it all went down and what the timeline uh, was. But it, it certainly seems uh, to me like uh, stuff came up during these end of year meetings and the stuff that came up uh, led John Mosaloc to conclude that Mike Schilt should no longer be the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. And, and so I'm, my current operating theory is that there were some kind of, you know, philosophical differences in terms of, you know, something that the team wanted to do, whether it was uh, some kind of, you know, broadly philosophical, strategic, whatever you want to call it, kind of um, thing they wanted the team to operate or whether it was very specifically kind of more of a personnel thing of, you know, someone they wanted there. Um, so I feel like, you know, that was part of it. But I, I also feel like there just there had to be um, kind of like direct interpersonal conflict <laughs> that happened here <laughs> as well. You know what I mean? Because I and, and so my my assumption would be that maybe there was a sort of difference of opinion, a philosophical difference that, and, and Mo kind of said this in the press conference, he said that maybe that had been around for a while, or, you know, that had been kind of simmering that this kind of thing. But so, but there was also, you know, uh, a match that lit the powder keg. It seems very clearly just in the last period of days and not just from those things he said, but again, the fact that they, they had to ask special permission from the league to announce this on a day that there was, you know, a, a deciding game five and the NLDS, you know, like this, there's some very unusual stuff here um, the, to get this done. The Cubs had the decency to leak their new GM hire yesterday on an off day. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and the Cardinals apparently did not have their, uh, Hey, 
we need we're announcing the termination of our manager ducks in a row yesterday uh right. which would have been you know and bill dewitt's a a prominent owner also a baseball guy his dad was an owner you know announcing the firing of his manager on the day of game five of the nlds is just not something that really dewitt would do right and so the whole thing is, is very fascinating to me because it, it seems to just be a bunch of things that, that are uh, just not DeWitt in any way. It suggests drama, which DeWitt hates. Mm-hmm. And it's stepping on the toes of a showcase for Major League Baseball and his fellow owners, which is also something that would be uh, just very hard for DeWitt to swallow, but swallow it he did today. And he was there with Mosellock and, you know, saying that, you know, to paraphrase that it was a seemingly a conflict between uh, Schilt and Mosellock and his team, I believe was the term that DeWitt or the, the phrase that, uh, DeWitt chose to use. And so um, this just had a completely different flavor from the Matheny termination in that way. The The Matheny termination really felt like it was a DeWitt and Mosellock decision. They were both on the same page. They gave Matheny cover in, uh, in an apparent attempt to keep him as a viable managerial candidate down the road, because, you know, let's face it, managers get fired and other teams hire those managers. You know, DeWitt took over the Cardinals and Torrey went out the door. DeWitt hired Tony LaRusso. Torrey went to the Yankees. The rest, as they say, is history. And so, you know, DeWitt and Mosellock seem to be leaving the door open for Matheny to perhaps take the Joe Torrey career path. There is no such kindness given to Mike Schilt today in the press release or during the press conference. It was very, very cold. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, Ben, I think I mostly agree with you, but I'm not certain that DeWitt is um, uninvolved in this, in this sense. To me, there were hints today of, or echoes of, the uh the firing of Walt Jockety and just sort of the 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 tension of uh Jeff Lunau and his faction rising in the organization and uh, we talked about that many times uh, Howard Megdahl's excellent book The Cardinals Way I can't recommend enough to read about kind of that era in in Cardinals history and and you and I have talked about that and I've kind of longed for the Cardinals to go back to that era in the sense that you know, that was a period of time where, you know, the Cardinals were playing winning baseball, but they kind of recognized that they were maybe falling behind or at least at risk of falling behind. They needed to change some things in terms of their organization, how they operated. So they brought in a Lunau who started, you know, implementing some of those changes um, and, and his kind of power and his staff, you know, grew and grew in the organization. And ultimately that came to a point of friction with, uh, with Walt Jockety and it led to Walt Jockety, you know, being fired. And we don't know what is going on here with, with Mike Schilt, but I, I think that, 
I think it's not unreasonable to think that there could be elements of that going on here. And especially when, you know, we have Jeff Albert kind of being named as the another party in this. And Albert is a more recent hire. Albert is a hire that suggests uh, a, a sort of different and new philosophical direction for the Cardinals. Um, you know, this more kind of data-driven hitting approach that's going to be kind of organization-wide, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm purely speculating here, but I can see that being at least that kind of philosophical difference that maybe has been simmering and came to a head. And, and so I can see that being something that, you know, the idea that that's our philosophy and that's the direction we're going potentially being something that was kind of a joint, you know, DeWitt, Mo thing, possibly. I mean, that's that's what it was back in the you know mid two thousands, you know, with the Luna hiring. And so I don't know. Maybe we're seeing some echoes of that here. Do you think that holds water or is a possibility? Oh, I think you make a great point. I one of the things that has frustrated me uh, throughout this season is the tendency of folks to focus on Mosellock in the front office to the exclusion of ownership. When it is very clear to me that uh, DeWitt and Mosellock are operating hand in glove. Like DeWitt hired Mosellock to implement his vision and because Mosellock understood the vision and had a plan to implement it. And, you know, the foundation of that vision was cheap major league players who are drafted and developed by the organization and promoted from within. And Mosellock even gave the the boilerplate summary of DeWitt ball or DeWallet ball, excuse me, um, during the press conference today that we believe we should promote from within, yada, yada, yada. And so that is still the foundational principle underlying everything that Mosellock is doing is we're going to attempt to hold down costs by promoting uh, homegrown players who are cost controlled and have suppressed salaries underneath the collective bargaining agreement. Now, Mm -hmm. now the next step in that evolution is how are you developing those players and how are you breaking them into the majors? And what is the continuity between when you're drafted and when you get to St. Louis, right? And Mm -hmm. Albert, to me, at least to my eye, is sort of the first instance of Mosellock and the organization saying, we want a unified approach to the skill, to a skill set that is, uh, that players experience when they come into the organization and it takes them all the way to the majors. And so that change, because it used to be, you know, you just have your hitting coach and he works with each individual guys. When you don't have success, they fire the hitting coach instead of the manager. Right. 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 And so the Cardinals now are saying, we're going to use this tech throughout the organization and this data And that will allow players to better transition one as they climb up the minor league ladder, but also two. And most importantly, when they get to the majors, we're going to have a unified 
hitting philosophy that relies on some of this new technology and the ability uh, to track your body movements, but also to look at how you're hitting the ball and how people are pitching to you, what your approach is, those types of things. And so there is a very good argument to me that Albert is kind of the next phase in the evolution of the wallet ball that led to Walt Jockety's firing. Mm -hmm. We're going, how are we going to develop players and how are we going to help them succeed in the majors? And I think that it's been brought about quite frankly, um, by them not having a lot of clear success breaking hitters into the majors. If you exclude Colton Wong, who would you say is an unqualified success as a position player who broke in with the St. Louis Cardinals as a hitter? Uh, since uh, Jockety left, let's just say that from 2008 to today, like who is that clear cut or maybe before this season, Tyler O'Neill, uh, Harrison Bader has also had success. It looked like maybe Paul DeYoung, but he's tailed off. Yeah. I, you know, yeah, no, it, you, you'd have a hard time. And, and, and O'Neill was, was incredibly promising this season, but you know, it was this season and, and Bader definitely seems like he's making, you know, his way, but that's, that's pretty recent developments too. And, and that's a really long time. <laughs> you're right. I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it hasn't, it hasn't been happening. So I think you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. So to me, it's, um, it's very interesting because we saw the, the transition pains that led to Walt Jockety's termination. I actually think that the, the transition pains led to Mike Matheny and John Mabry and uh, Lilliquist terminations as well. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, they brought in Mike Maddox and they brought in Albert and Albert has a directive. And I think we're going to see, uh, perhaps after next season, his role changed so that he is more uh, just sitting over the organization as a whole and mm-hmm. and, and not so much involved uh, in the day-to-day uh, with the major league hitters. Um, but, you know, it's, it's very interesting because they've implemented this approach on the hitting side of things. Right. Lilliquist... It, to my mind, was pretty successful at breaking in uh, prospects as pitchers. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. Lance Lynn became a starter under Lilliquist, uh, you know, yeah. and, and you can go down the line uh, with a whole slew of pitchers who had success with the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, I mean, on the pitching side, this team has been bolstered by that exact organizational philosophy you mentioned of, you know, developing and promoting from within. I mean, they haven't signed a, they haven't signed a a big, you know, a big name expensive pitcher who's become an anchor of this team since ever. (laughs) And, and And they, and they didn't even, sign Lance Lynn to an extension. Not that they should have, but I'm just saying like they, they were comfortable enough in their crop of pitching prospects that they could let Lance Lynn go. And with where he was in his career, you know, I'm not here to, you know, retcon that decision in any way, 
I'm just saying yeah. that was probably an easy decision for the team because they had had that success. But I think what we're seeing now is, you know, they don't have quite that depth of pitching prospect. And you have, you have Maddox, who's an, who is more of an old school. Frankly, I think Maddox is more akin to Dave Duncan than, uh, you know, like kind of a Jeff Albert of pitching. Right. Yeah. Like, well, we've we've talked about that. I mean, I remember we talked about that on an earlier episode this season, just how imbalanced it is that on the on the hitting side, you've got Jeff Albert and this, you know, you know, young guy, this very data driven philosophy, the idea that he's going to dictate this philosophy across your whole organization. And then on the pitching side, you've got, you know, Mike Maddox going out and put a friendly hand on the on their shoulder. And, you know, not to say that there can't be, you know, positive benefits to both of those approaches, but those, those are two very different philosophies. And it doesn't really quite line up that the same organization is going to, you know, do one on the hitting side and one on the pitching side. And, you know, if anything, the events of today, I think, sort of solidify the idea that the, the Jeff Albert way is more the way that this organization sees themselves going in the future. And I think that makes a lot of sense Um, just because, you know, Albert uses data, but he also uses tech that is that allows players to isolate things and, you know, view their swing and make tweaks in a way that just frankly, technology didn't allow players to do, you know, 10 years ago um, when the Cardinals hired Matheny and Mabry. Right. Yeah. And that yeah. same tech is available to pitchers and, you know, the folks at driveline and, and, and those types of organizations have, have used that tech to help uh, pitchers uh, either reinvent themselves or develop. And the thing is that it maybe is a little bit controversial amongst current major leaguers and longtime uh, baseball men, and mm-hmm. I assume they're almost all men, which is why I use that term. But the kids who are coming into baseball now as draftees joining these organizations in the minors, this is just run of the mill. This is how you you work on your swing. This is how you become better as you utilize yeah. these tools. You know, every city of a certain size has this technology available to high schoolers if they want to use it. And, And, you know, and younger. I mean, I coach I coach kids younger than high school and the facilities we train at have all these (laughs) have all these tools, you know, and we're not like some elite, you know, uh, you know, fly to Florida every weekend and play in tournaments team. <laughs> so it's it's pretty widespread and it's long seemed to me like the Cardinals were surprisingly behind on it, given how pervasive you see it. Again, even in like, you know, mid to lower tier, uh, you know, Iowa tournament ball. <laughs> yeah, we live in Iowa. Uh, other than Joel Hanrahan and... Uh, we claim Michael Walker and Joe McGrain as well, but I mean, really, since Bob Feller, who Cal, who has Cal Eldred, come on, yeah, are we yeah. really going to do this? Are we really going to do this, Ben? <laughs> no. Let's keep 
Let's keep I'm the focus saying, on Mike Schilt getting fired here. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying we are we are not uh, we are not a field of dreams of pit, of major league prospects, but our kids have access to this, so you can imagine what it's like in Texas, Florida, and California and Arizona. Yeah. Um, well, and something um, is, you know something that you, you touched on there, just that kind of old school idea, and to me, that's that's I feel like the underlying maybe conflict that um, existed between Mike Schilt and the Cardinals organization that I think maybe kind of doomed him with this organization at some point. And I, I mentioned this in our last episode um, because it really, it, it was so visible to me watching that one game wild card um, and just watching the difference in the way Mike Schilt went about his job versus the way Dave Roberts went about his job. Um, and, you know, Dave Roberts, I think, is so much more the the model of what the modern um, manager is, which is really uh, there to execute the philosophy of the front office. OK, and that front office now is, again, a, a, a giant organization of, you know, hundreds of, uh, you know, Ivy League educated folks. Uh, you know, coming up with all this stuff. And people don't, you know, people don't love that. Just aesthetically, a lot of baseball fans kind of don't like that. And they like the older model of managers where managers were more of a personality. And, you know, and managers were more the considered kind of like, you know, the leader of the team, and they dictated the character of the team. But that's just not what the job of a manager is anymore. And you look at the Dodgers, and you look at the successful teams, that's not who um, that's not who their managers are, and that's not the direction the game is going. And I just think you have to recognize, you know, these kind of evolutions happen. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. I just finished reading uh, that great book, Our 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 Game, um, you know, about the uh, 1946 Cleveland Indians. You know, their manager was Lou Boudreau. He was a player manager. And, you know, that was near the end of the period when player managers were were really very common. And there was friction there, um, you know, between uh, Boudreau and uh, and uh, Bill Veck, the owner, because, you know, Veck was basically like you're, you know, you look, you're playing like you barely have time to put into managing. Right. And so that kind of, you know, we evolved out of that. So these things evolve and we're we're in another period of evolution here. And I just think that you know, Mike Schilt, while he came up with the organization, while I think he, you know, did a lot of things that the organization wanted, I think he kind of wanted to be that, um, you know, just just more of that Earl Weaver type. Um, and I, I don't think that was, that's, the, that's what the Cardinals want the role of manager to be. And so I just, I think that there's some underlying conflict there that, that maybe that that was always going to lead to the end of this relationship. Yeah, and it is something that goes back to when you know Major League Baseball teams, you know, didn't have much of a front office, and they traveled by like train. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so the manager was out going around the country, leading his team you know, into these games and making these decisions. Yeah. Um, and so there was, there was a separation between the front office and the field manager that was just almost due as much to practical logistics as anything else. 
and so as technology has progressed, we've learned more about baseball, but also uh, front offices uh, have a much easier time communicating with the manager and the team. And so, oh, I was also, and also, you know, they get fired if the manager loses. Yeah. So it just feels kind of inevitable that they would start to inject themselves into the decisions and the way that the field manager goes about making those decisions. Oh, uh, well, hundred percent. And I was going to say, and I, I made this same analogy on the, on the meet me at mutual podcast, <laughs> uh, you know, Whitey Herzog, when he was hired by the Cardinals, um, he then uh, after that half season, um, uh, the Cardinals fired, uh, I believe it was, I believe it was Dal Maxville, but they, uh, they fired the GM at the time and Whitey took over the GM duties. And then he went out and like traded for and acquired his team and it, and it worked really well for him. And he acquired, you know, most of the guys who we think of as, you know, the core of the Whitey ball teams and everything. Okay. And that's a great, that's a great story. And it, you know, it lends itself to the legend of Whitey's character. And it was totally something that he specifically could do. And he was an outlier even in his time, but it was also something that, you know, someone could do in 1981 that that, there's no way that would happen now. Right. Those jobs are so um, everything is so much more specialized now. Right. Um, you know, that's not going to happen. And that's just the way that these things, these things evolve. And so I think this is just, you know, the, the manager role has, has evolved in a way. And it just, it kind of seems like, you know, perhaps Schilt was not interested in performing the managerial role in a way that has evolved. And I think you made a great point about, you know, the front office, you know, really dictates so much of this philosophy, you know, and, but for, you know, uh, the last five or 10 years, we've been in this world where, yeah, front offices do dictate this philosophy. But then when it comes time to execute that philosophy, it's like, okay, well, like, you know, which ex ball player is it that we have under contract to go out there and execute it this week, right? And <laughs> I mean, I think, I think organizations are just getting a little more savvy about like, yeah, you know what, like, maybe that's not maybe that's not the best way to you know to utilize all of this hard work that we're putting in yeah and it's something that has been i think growing as a a bit of analysis about managerial decisions that you know there are only 30 of these jobs but there are you know dozens of guys angling for them yep. and, and throughout the minors. And so as the manager job has evolved away from the Tony LaRusa type and toward the Dave Roberts type who gave a quote that the decision on who started game five, the elimination game of the NLDS uh, came from the quote tippy top uh, of the organization, end quote. Um, as that evolution has taken place, it seems that Mosaic maybe is one of the early implementers of the idea that I've got at least two other guys on my major league staff right now who could manage the St. Louis Cardinals tomorrow yep. in Marmal and uh, Stubby Clap. And, and so, and, you know, if I'm feeling like changing things up a little bit, I guess I can go to like Skip Schumacher 
heck, I could interview Mark McGuire probably. And so I think what you're seeing is Mosellock perhaps learned the lesson with Matheny that I don't need to enable a manager's bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. If you aren't going to do the things that we tell you to do because they're the right thing to do for us to win, then you don't need to have this job. And he yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I saw on Twitter today, a lot of people kind of in their surprise said like, well, geez, you know, the, the Cardinals, you know, kept Matheny in the job for, you know, seven years. Was it seven years? It was 2011 to 2018. It was, yeah. You know, but, and, you know, Schilt, they just, you know, pulled the trigger on it. But I think it's what you said. It's like, I, you know, I think they learned from that. (laughs) And, you know, I think that they, uh, uh, Exactly. You know, why, if, if, if this philosophy that we believe as an organization isn't being executed, why are we going to, you know, stick with that? And I think that's a decision they made. Now, the counter argument that I've heard made and um, uh, uh, Alex and Tara discussed this on uh, Chirps uh, today. I had a chance to listen to their podcast um, where they talked about this. And I thought that, you know, and they had some interesting thoughts on this as well, because I think the counter argument is, you know, well, is there some value in that ten- having some of that tension? You know, um, is there, um, you know, some danger of just having kind of an echo chamber if, you know, the, the manager is just there, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, following marching orders? What do you think about that? Well, I, if you if you have been a part of an organization of a certain size, you know, you know that people who are subordinate and report to other people as their supervisors disagree with them. And if it's a well-run organization, that disagreement is allowed and discussion is allowed and consensus is reached. And once the decision is made, you know, you salute and march. Right. Mm -hmm. And so disagreement is something that is inherent in any organization that is striving to be successful. And it's, it would be particularly true in major league baseball, where not only are you trying to be successful, you're trying success is defined, not just by the money you make, but by your record at the major league level. And so to me, what has happened here is it seems to me at least that we have had something more than an organic disagreement, which happens all the time in organizations. Right. And it's something more than that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't want to say that Mike Schilt made some sort of ultimatum, like he goes or I go, or he stays or I go, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't know any of that, but it certainly feels like Schilt, made a a play or a move or a statement that put the org, the front office in a position where they felt he could no longer, it was no longer tenable that he was the field manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. And that, that to me is frankly pretty shocking because Schilt just doesn't seem like the type who would, who would take it to that extreme. 
Well, yeah, I, uh, not to me either. But again, you know, I only know, you know, what I see in, um, you know, kind of public facing press conferences and on Randy or Rosarena's Instagram feed. So, you know, that- <laughs> and, 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 and what, uh, Bali sports Midwest captures and, and we know he does like to use the F bomb based on Randy Arona, uh, Randy Rosarena's live Instagram feed. Um, and Fox Sports Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, who knows? Maybe he, he unleashed an F-bomb laden tirade toward yeah. Jose Luck. And yeah. that's why they didn't thank him for his devotion and loyalty and pride in the St. Louis Cardinals, an organization that he has been employed by and worked for for 17 years, which is, I think, over twice as long as Mike Matheny's tenure. Um, it, well, not if you include his playing days, but still longer than Matheny was with the organization and they saw fit to give Matheny that praise. So it, it's, uh, it's very right. eyebrow raising, um, because just the, the coldness compared to right. at least the words that they put out about Matheny is just amazing to me. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I think it, I, it seems like they parted, they parted because of some kind of philosophical difference, right? I think we can, that, that, that's, that's where this started from, but they could have parted amicably from, you know, from a philosophical (laughs) difference and that did not happen. So there were, uh, there were other things that came about as a result of that. Um, and sounds like they came about very abruptly within the last few days. So, um, and I hope we'll, I hope we'll someday find out what they, what they were. Um, not so much because it's important to know from a, a baseball standpoint, but just because I just enjoy the dirt. And so I just, I kind of want to know. Um, <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, you know, we've gotten just the smallest of peaks behind the curtain here. And, and this is a situation where you, 100% want to know what exactly went down because this is just a very abrupt and surprising uh, turn of events. And I want to know what would cause John Mosellock, who is not prone to abrupt decision making, right? Yeah. <laughs> to make this decision to get rid of the guy that he hired 17 years ago on promoted. Christmas Eve. He reminded us during the press conference, <laughs> he called Mike Schilt on Christmas Eve. Mike Schilt was cooking himself a Dintymore beef stew over a hot plate <laughs> in a one bedroom apartment. I may be embellishing some of these details. I don't remember, but yeah, it was a long-term relationship. And it is hard to me. Uh, to imagine that Mosellock will find someone who on the day he hires him, he feels better and more comfortable about the hire than Mike Schilt because of that relationship. They, they were, they were in lockstep for so long. I just, it's hard to believe that this has been uh, what has happened. And so abruptly, but I also feel like the evolution of the game that we've been talking about and the way that the front office interacts 
has really taken leaps forward in the last few years. And I think Mosaloc honestly looks at it and, uh, you know, he had an idiot manager in Mike Matheny, completely incompetent. And he stuck with him because they thought he would grow and they gave him the benefit of the doubt and look what that got him. Mm-hmm. And so Mike Schilt, when he starts acting like Mike Matheny in, in any way, he's done. And so uh, right. in a way, Mike Schilt can probably thank Mike Matheny for being fired today. Yeah, but, you know, I think that, you know, this also really, I mean, if there was any doubt that this is Mo's team, like, you know, all doubt must be erased now. Like, this is John Moseliak's team. And he dictates, you know, what, you know, uh, what the Cardinals philosophy is. And you are, you, you follow that or, uh, or, or you go elsewhere. And that is, you know, that's a hundred percent clear. So as Cardinals fans, I think we have to just hope that, uh, he's, uh, he's got a winning philosophy. So that works out for us. But, you know, the other thing I think just on a, just purely on like a kind of personnel level, and I think you're right, you know, so Mo came into the position with Tony LaRussa already in the managerial spot. And Tony was obviously much more of that old school manager, um, you know, framework, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, his own personality, a real force, etc. I think it was pretty clear when Tony retired that, you know, Mo wanted somebody who would, you know, much more kind of follow his, um, you know, follow his lead and kind of just follow the directives from the organization. Um, and I think... I think they they hired uh, Matheny thinking they were going to get that, thinking, you know, this guy doesn't really have any background in this. He doesn't, you know, he's not coming in with, a, you know, any cachet as, you know, a, you know, World Series winner or any of this. So, you know, he'll do the that. And I think that's probably what Matheny indicated to them he would do. And I think especially as time went on, you know, Matheny was more and more emboldened and, and he wanted to, you know, assert himself and assert more of his own control and make kind of decisions his way out there. And, and in a lot of ways, that's what sort of led to him parting ways. And then we got Mike Schilt and really Mike Schilt was much, you know, like, okay, well, Matheny, if Matheny was one step in that direction, you know, with Mike Schilt, it was, here's a guy who's basically been groomed, you know, for a decade plus in the organization. Right. And so that seems like the guy who really should sort of, you know, be invested in it and execute this. And, and now that it seems like they parted ways with Schilt for in some ways, the same kind of overall reason that they parted ways with, with Matheny. I mean, that's a little concerning too. I mean, it's one of those, like, you know, like if you keep uh, breaking up with people, cause they all have the same character flaw, right? Like it's like a certain point, it's like, you know, it's not them, it's you, man. So I think that's got to be something to for Mo to consider or this organization to consider, you know, if they continue to not be able to find managers to uh, execute their philosophy as they as they see it. Well, maybe he'll make Dave Roberts an offer he can't refuse. Well, there you go. Problem solved. <laughs> Problem solved. So... All right. Well, Ben, anything we uh, we haven't touched on as we uh, as we say farewell to uh, to Mike Schilt tonight? Well, uh, who is your prediction to be the successor? Uh, I think it is 
almost certainly going to be Ali Marmol um, because I know that they prefer an internal candidate. And um, the way that uh, Marmol was was uh, kind of ascended into that bench coach role in much the same way that Schilt had, that's just really kind of their their sort of number two role. Um, so I know Stubby Clapp is there. I know that Stubby Clapp has managerial experience and has interviewed for other managerial jobs. So I think that there's a chance that, you know, he's, he's in the mix, but I, I, I think it's Marmol and I would, I would bet that to pretty strong odds. You mentioned Skip Schumacher and to me, he's the one outside guy who I think is, is a possibility as well. Um, he, um, I actually looked this up because I knew he had a kind of funky title. He was, did you know that he was the associate manager to Jace Tingler? Um, that was a title that the the Padres instituted. But, you know, he was basically in a kind of like, you know, understudy type role there at the um, at the Padres. So with with uh, with Schumacher, you have a, another guy who's been at a very, very high level with a, an organization that's generally pretty well regarded in terms of philosophy and how they do things. And he has, I think, enough of a c- connection maybe to the Cardinals um, and, and kind of what they do organizationally that they might consider him. Um, you know, the idea that they're going to go out and bring in somebody just completely outside the organization, I think is just totally far-fetched. I just don't think that's how they do things. No. And I just want to add that it would be uh, really delicious if Skip Schumacher were managing Nolan Gorman, uh, you know, because anyone can play second base, Ben. Yeah, that would be delicious. What about this? What if the Cardinals hired Skip Schumacher and the Padres hired Mike Schilt? Oh, that would be, uh, that would make the 2022 NLDS uh, real spicy. Yes, yes. (laughs) That would be appointment television, as they say. (laughs) <laughs> um, no, I, I, you have won me over, uh, with your prediction. I coming into the evening, I thought it would be clap that they hired. Um, but I, I think you have won me over, uh, with the decision that they're going to make and just listening to the press conference, I got the very distinct impression that they're just going to go for continuity and someone who was involved in what they were doing. And so I think it's going to be an internal hire. Well, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I hope it's Marmol and I, I don't know uh, a whole lot about him. Um, um, you know, but that he's been in the organization, um, you know, he's generally well-regarded, but he's a young guy and he's Latino. And I think that would be a tremendous asset for the Cardinals to hire. There's, there's not enough minority candidates that are considered or given positions. And frankly, I think it would be a real asset for them given the number of Latino players that are out there. Um, you know, I think it would, it would, you know, just, uh, you know, bolster them and make them a team that was attractive to those players and, and the, the Latino players that are already on the team. I think it would, um, you know, be, be really meaningful to them. So I think Marmol would bring a lot. Yeah. And he's, he's someone else, you know, he doesn't have Schultz track record, but you know, the Cardinals drafted him. He played for the Cardinals and he's been a coach within the organization for 10 years. So he is right. someone who Mosellock has a long 
uh, history with as well. And so, you know, he is someone who probably would be a pretty comfortable fit for the front office and who just, uh, you know, had the carcass of Mike Schilt's career, uh, you know, thrown out of the vehicle with him in the passenger seat. So Mosaloc has sent the clear message of what happens if you cross him. And so uh, presumably Marmol would fall in line with the front office uh, when it behooves him to do so. I just looked it up. Uh, <laughs> he's younger than I thought he was. <laughs> did, did you know that uh, Ali Marmol was born in 1986, Ben? He's younger than us. He's younger than us. <laughs> he's younger than he's younger than uh, uh, Yachty. He's younger than Adam Wainwright. <laughs> so um, uh, I, I think you are right. My great hope. Ben, uh, however, is that the Cardinals for 2022, at least they just say, uh, you know, Yadier Molina is going to be the player manager. (laughs) If it were, if it were in any way feasible for there to be a player manager, I think that would be, (laughs) I think that would be amazing. Completely impossible in this day and age, but I just really want it to happen. Um, and uh, I know that it will not, but uh, it would make me really happy if it did. It would. It would. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. All right. Well, um, Ben, it was uh, it was great talking with you. I don't think we expected we were going to be doing a, a special podcast as soon <laughs> after the season as this. Oh, no. Uh, a total shock. Uh, this move caught me totally by surprise because I you know, did not see any indication that this was coming. I agree. I mean, I, I, you know, again, I mentioned on our last podcast, I, I saw some indication just of, you know, Schilt being maybe just a little bit in that old school mode and mold and the team kind of moving in this other direction. But so, you know, I, and I did kind of wonder aloud, you know, it, the long-term is he the guy here, but I, I really was thinking long-term. It certainly wasn't, you know, I wasn't thinking, you know, you know, in six or seven days, will he still be the manager of the St. Louis <laughs> Cardinals? So no, it's very, very surprising, but um, you know um, I, I, I like it. I like it when the team is active and I like it when, you know, if they feel like they can make changes and make improvements, they do. And so hopefully this, um, you know, hopefully they come out of this, uh, you know, an improved team. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, me too. And of course, we wish Mike Schilt the best uh, in his future baseball endeavors. I think he will be successful. I think uh, he has very good interpersonal skills and uh, he loves the game. And that'll go a long way and carry him far. Uh, it just won't be with the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, agreed. No, I we uh, I mean, I'm a little sad for sure, because I, I, I like Mike Schilt, Mike Schilt. And, you know, it would have been cool if he had if things had worked out. But, you know, it had just kind of become clear to me that maybe the fit wasn't there. And it seems like that's what the organization's is thinking as well. But, yeah, I agree. Seems like a good guy and hope he uh, hope he has success wherever he goes from here. So, 
All right. Well, with that, we're going to wrap things up on this special edition of the Cardinals Off Day podcast. We'll continue to check in with you guys uh, at least once a month as we hit some of the kind of, um, you know, big moments in the off season. But, uh, you know, who knows if they keep, you know, f- making major dramatic hiring and firing moves, maybe we'll be with you more often. So until whenever, uh, this has been uh, Cardinals Off Day 